Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Talking, talking about important stuff like Doug being sick. Yeah. Don't you bring, don't you bring your plague to this call. I ain't no Dr. Fauci, but I don't need you spreading COVID over the internets. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. I have no idea why, but for some reason I thought you were going to say I'm no Dr. Phil. I'm no, I'm no Dr. Phil because I'm not a dumb asshole. <laughs> I mean, really, I think you have the, close to the same qualifications as him at this point. So That's true. Yeah, one of you are licensed to practice medicine in, in the United States, so sure, why not? Shouldn't there be a rule if you're going to be a doctor and go on TV that you have to do doctory things i don't i don't know i mean dr oz is allowed to go on tv and fucking basically sell snake oil and he's actually a licensed doctor so Um, if that's not a crime i guess nothing is no he put his show on hold so that he can run for senate so you mean win the senate run for senate yeah but he'll win you know country loves to elect well, I was going to say, ten, 10 years from now, when all of the Kardashians, Kanye West, and fucking Busta Rhymes are all congressmen, the, we're going to be in deep shit. Look, I would take Busta over most of the people, so. Really? Wasn't he, he the fought, one in Halloween night? <laughs> he fought Michael Myers and won. What other platform yeah. could you not uh, run on? I, I don't know. That, that does not get his my vote. Being in that movie is not a. Uh... You were in. You were in one of the bad Halloween, sir. <laughs> one of the bad ones. Just can I take my phone into the voting booth so I can check IMDb, make sure I'm voting for the right person? <laughs> uh, I'll yeah. tell you who we need in office: Tom Atkins's mustache. Oh, there you go. Not gonna argue with it. That mustache. Talk about taking no nonsense. That's what I'm talking about. Now that we've moved into the era where um, like sexual harassment scandals don't really have much effect on politicians anymore, <laughs> right, now's right. the era of the mustache. Right. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been possible 15 years ago as the mustache would have impregnated every woman working in the White House. <laughs> Good Lord. I don't, know, I don't know how we got to mustaches impregnating people this early in the podcast. It doesn't take much longer. Listen, it's America. And I still believe <laughs> the best segue. All right. That's our segue. Uh-huh. <laughs> Noah, can you tell us the plot to Lost Boys? <laughs> yes, I fucking can. Uh, oh, Lost Lord. Boys, 
Family moves to California. Mom, two sons. They move in with grandpa. Cool as fuck. Likes root beer. Don't touch his fucking root beer. Uh, and they go out partying on the boardwalk. And dude meets a chick. Turns out she's a fucking vampire. And all of her douchebaggy vampire friends, including Kiefer Sutherland <laughs> and fucking Alex Winter, <laughs> vamp, vamp him up. And they got to deal with that shit. And the little brother makes friends with two of the weirdest fucking kids ever who are still somehow badass. I was going to say, don't act like you're that age. You wouldn't <laughs> want to be friends with these guys. Oh, you, I well, wanted I wanted to be the Frog Brothers. I don't understand why you said when you were that age. That's the part I have an issue with. <laughs> well, because I feel like nowadays uh, being a 40 year old hanging out with uh, uh, either preteen, preteen or just turned into a teenager could be problematic. Yeah, you have not been to a comic book store lately, sir. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And basically uh, half a vampire and his brother and his weird friends uh, have to go mono a mono with a vampire tribe uh, and kill them. <laughs> and they're make any sense whatsoever. In their, in their evil leader, who is the mom's <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> All these people have to go mano a mano with the vampire tribe, mono, meaning mono more than mono. meaning more than one group on group. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't speak Latin. <laughs> oh, good lord! But yeah, and basically, what you get is the best fucking movie ever. Well, I don't even think it's the best movie on this podcast, let alone the best movie that came out that year. But son, you son of a bitch, man! Tough and, words. And I fucking and I love Near Dark. I'm Anyways, so mad that you said that. I will say something. Normally, your plot description would have pissed me off, except that was the perfect tone for a plot description for this movie. Because, <laughs> I mean, like if you didn't know Joel Schumacher directed this movie going into it, you might figure it out part way through. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it is. The tone of this movie is indescribable. It's unlike anything else. It is almost a comedy, but it somehow clings to the seriousness. So all of a sudden, all these, like, I guess, 14-year-old boys are playing vampire hunters and we're to just go with it. It's like if the kids, it's like if we were to put the kids from Monster Squad in a real, like, adult movie and then just everybody went with it and went, yeah, okay, they're the Monster Squad and they fight monsters. That makes sense. Let's go with this. That's what happens in this fucking movie. Like we're like, don't worry. There's these kids. They work at their parents' comic store. They fight monsters on the side, and everyone rolls with it. Like it's not a big deal. I do. It's I do amazing. love Schumacher's approach to this movie. Of they were like, okay, it's a movie about children that are vampires, and he's like, no, teens. And they're like, okay, Joe Schumacher, calm down. And he's like, sexy teens. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You're but, getting but, real aggressive, and he's like super sexy punk rock and roll teens. <laughs> but but what level of teens, Joel? I mean, that's kind of a bit. All the teens. We're gonna have the young teens and then the old teens. Don't worry about anything else. And somehow some of the older teens are gonna look like they're about thirty, but don't worry about that either. Like it's really weird that the older kids in this movie are supposed to be like, like the impression I get is that. Michael is still supposed to be in high school. Mm. But then Corey Hames character is also in high school. How can that be? How can uh, that be? Freshman senior. I mean, come on. 
You're trying See, to tell me that I'm, there's three years apart, those kids? I was assuming <laughs> that Michael is 19. Well, he's still in school. Like high school. She she does say when school starts up, we're going to have a big conversation when she's talking to him about at one out. point. Yeah. About staying out all night. Well, See, so you're thinking because he can drive and go out all night and drink and stuff that somehow that makes him an adult, but you're forgetting that this movie was released in 87. So yeah, but (laughs) solar babies age weird. So (laughs) forgot about that movie. I mean, shit, look at what it did to his fucking half brother, just from being in proximity to him. Made him all fucking weird. We'll talk about that in the next movie. (laughs) Uh, so I feel like this is going to be another movie where we just sit and talk about how awesome everything is. Yeah, pretty much. You guys remember that time when the movie opens up and they're at the weird beach filled with weirdos and, and Tim Capello just fucking rocking it with a sax being some kind of weird god of sex embodied. <laughs> you met him once. so I did. Obsessed with him. He's still, I was obsessed with him way before I met him. <laughs> I think even in 1987, like little kid version of me was like, I don't think there's really just saxophone players on boardwalks in California. That seems a little weird, even by California standards. <laughs> but it's Santa Carla. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I took one look at uh, him Musly oiled up, wearing tight purple pants and a what is can only be an industrial chain. And I was like, you know what? I'm never gonna be that cool. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you decided to go the complete opposite I was, direction. I was like, maybe I should just go buy some Dungeons and Dragon shit and just chill out. <laughs> See, for me, when I was a kid, I always thought the Kiefer Sutherland character was the epitome of cool with that black trench coat and the black jeans. He just, I don't know. He just reminded that this what cool was to me all decked out in the black with the, I thought that was a cool haircut back then. I'm obviously wrong, but I was a child at the time and that stubble beard. I thought made him look so badass. Like, I don't know why I thought that made him look badass, but I did. What you didn't understand at that time was it was just the fact that it was Kiefer Sutherland, which unfortunately is the one part of that ensemble you can never be. Yes. But most of the other parts I've had, I probably had a mullet at some point. I did play hockey after all, and uh, I definitely had the trench coat for a while, but yeah. So you always felt uh, Corey Feldman, I thought was like the coolest. Oh, really? Yeah, but I was young and stupid, so... Well, I, I think it was more like maybe you just had more attainable goals than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I could work at a comic shop and hunt vampires on the yeah. side. That's reasonable. Yeah. Well, I a like camo shirt and a red headband. I know this is this is one of those things where obviously it doesn't ever need to be established. Oh, sorry. So but, entirely. Uh, yeah. It, it doesn't ever need to be established on screen about who owns the comic book shop or whatever. But I remember being a kid and watching it and being like, do these two teenagers own this comic book store? <laughs> there, uh, there is no adult in this situation. And they can kind of just come and go as they please. And they're just wandering around, handing people free comic books. I believe the passed out hippies are supposed to be their parents. Oh, really? 
It's what I had heard somewhere. Okay. I know there's a line of dialogue that it's their parents' comic book store, but I don't think it's... This movie isn't really worried about filling in all the little plot holes. I mean, one of the main... It doesn't matter. Like, one of the main selling features of this movie is that uh, the kid's mom gets a a job at, like, a late-night electronics store that a vampire runs. So (laughs) you start asking too many questions, you might be going down the wrong rabbit hole. Uh, is this even a full electronics store? I thought it was just a video store. I think it's electronics. I think it's I think it's got other stuff there, but just the fact that so there are three main places in this uh settings for the story. You have Grandpa's house, which is a uh terrifying cabin in the woods <laughs> a la California filled with dead animals. Does- right? Does anybody think that we needed like a crossover film with the uh, Quint and Grandpa, where he's just like got a taxidermy man back home? He's gonna have a heart attack when he sees what I bring him, and you just see Grandpa on the shore waiting for him. I just really <laughs> want to see those two interact. <laughs> Indeed. So we've got that. We've got a comic book store, which is just—I don't know—it's like the wet dream of what a comic book store is supposed to be. I think this well, is what they looked like back in the day. You're saying that, but Corey Haim obviously points out that they have not organized their comics very well. Well, they're busy. They they kill vampires on the side, and it's they're also yeah. their headquarters. So you're not going to be able to find anything you want, right? And then the third setting is the evil dude owns a fucking goddamn VHS store. It's just this movie <laughs> is the avatar of the '80s. You forgot it, it about- walks like a man and speaks with its own voice. <laughs> You forgot about the vampires living in their own hotel that's underground because an earthquake swallowed it up. Fuck. Yes, they do. <laughs> With a giant picture of Jim Morrison in it. Uh, and of course, the song People Are Strange has to feature prominently throughout the movie. Yep. It's I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. Yeah. Which is oddly enough, a cover version. <laughs> Not actually the doors. Well, it's better than the cover version they used for the Morbius trailer. Yes, true. Which, uh, when Amanda saw, she got really mad because she's like, no, this song should be in the Doctor Strange trailer. How did Marvel fuck this up so bad and let them get away with it first? Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is weird to have a big picture of Jim Morrison and then not use his version of the song. Though. That's an interesting choice, that's all. It was just any excuse to have another shirtless man in this movie is, I think, the rule. <laughs> Could be cheaper. Are we going to talk about that Rob Lowe poster in Corey's bedroom? <laughs> There's ah, the old gay there, undertones. I, yeah, I was getting ready to say, you know what the funny, and, and he denies it to the end of the earth that this movie has gay undertones, and it's like, are you sure? Yeah, no, look, this is what happens when Joel Schumacher wants to put gay undertones in his movie and nobody pisses him off. Batman and Robin is what happens when you piss him off. So <laughs> I'm just glad nobody pissed him off. It's fine. I don't really care that there's a weird poster hanging in the kid's bedroom. Shirtless Jim Morrison does not affect the plot of the movie. The yeah, the relationship between Michael and uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character is questionable at times, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No, it doesn't like, it's not one of those things where it like takes over the movie and becomes preachy or anything like that. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. It's all good. 
I've always heard it more focused on the Corey Haim character, which again, no real problems or anything. It's just it's like the poster and then him whatever song he's singing in the bath like yeah the whole bathtub scene is weird again like if he was <laughs> if I was an eight year old kid that bathtub scene would make total sense sing it yeah. and play it in his bubbles but this is a teenage boy who's like old enough to be out on the boardwalk alone at night and then goes home and takes a bath and plays in the bubbles was this <laughs> was this before or after Home Alone before yeah I would say about like two or three years. Yeah, I think Home Alone's in 1990. This is definitely 87, because 87 is the year of the movie, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, Home Alone's 90. So are you suggesting that Home Alone stole this idea? And they're like, what if Lost Boys was a a family Christmas movie with no vampires in it? I think I, robbers instead. I think this was the point in his career where they were like, we need to really get people into Corey Haim. And it kind of worked for a little while. And then they were like, hmm, let's get rid of him. McCully Culkin. <laughs> you try the singing in the bath thing. Do it. <laughs> Some Someday this weird pedophilic scene of a child singing in a bathtub will work. Has just keep trying it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't like that we drifted to pedophilia. I liked it when it was just gay overtones that we were discussing. Well, I don't even feel the the scenes that pedophilic. No, it's not a word. It, I feel it, like it's, it's supposed to be a little bit more innocent than that. The problem is he's a little too old for that scene. Yeah, um, that's the issue. It infantilizes the character. That's all. Yeah, and it's more the song he's singing. I don't even remember what he's the song is, but it's alluding. To the fact that he doesn't need a man or something like that. Yeah. It's which is just weird lyrics that and it, help it uh push it into the narrative that some people have decided is in the movie. I also don't th- I think it's it's not a song that suits that character either, so it feels like it no. stands out. Because he's talking about MTV and stuff earlier. So if he was singing some song that was on the radio in eighty seven that everybody knows, that would make more sense, right? Yeah, totally. No, but I, I do think like with the uh with the head vampire and with Michael, I think there's some hints at homosexuality between those two characters. And there's, you know, Michael is confused. Does he want to be a vampire or a human? Does he want to go with star or does he want to go with <laughs> David? Right? Like it's, yeah, okay. I think it's there. I don't think it's like I say, it's not a, it's not a problem. It doesn't take you out of the movie. I think it's there if you want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, four fancily drad la- dressed lads living together in a weird subterranean hotel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty flashy, um, you know, but it's also just some of that can just be chalked up to California, right? Yeah. Uh, my question is, so where do you find a salon that is open all hours of the night to get those sick perms, though? I, I assume on that boardwalk. I mean, no, if electronic stores point. are open late at night, why wouldn't salons be? That uh, actually, I, thought, would... I, f- I figured Star did all the hair during their downtime. Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. Doing a home perm's rough. <laughs> did, and did they ever establish? Do they have electricity in their underground bunker? Uh, don't they have some lights stringed up? Like, uh, face it. I know. We're getting real deep into the nitpicky <laughs> stuff again, guys. How do they get their hair? Well, done? we're doing everything we can to avoid just going, you know, it's cool. This is cool. And this is cool. And this is cool. Because you know what's cool in this movie? Every second of it. You like when the security guard gets killed in the parking lot? 
at the beginning when they're randomly filming people on the beach, there's a beach wizard. He's there. You see him. It's awesome. What Why about, is there a beach wizard? What about that weird looking guy on the Ferris wheel? What's that guy's deal? Right. <laughs> they're just playing people are strange and there's just a weird looking guy and you're like, he is strange. I wonder if that's going to come back later in the movie. Nope. Vampire effects. Really cool. Kind of read a bunch about it. I, I like the idea that they were trying to go for like a little bit understated. So, you know, they wanted the faces to change, but not a ton. Yeah, I think they did a good job with it. Heavily influential on uh, the Buffy the Vampire series, Vampire Slayer series, sorry. Mm-hmm. You can tell, like, obviously Spike is mirrored after Kiefer Sutherland's character entirely, but yeah. the whole the whole aesthetic of the vampire face when they turn. It's, it's where it's they just, stole the term vamp out from. Yeah, although I think it sort of entered the common the, nomenclature after this movie, so it gets used a lot anywhere. Um, this is the same boardwalk they filmed the uh, Jordan Peele's movie Us at. I want to go to this boardwalk. It looks super fun. <laughs> yeah, I think they even uh, make a reference to Lost Boys and Us. Okay. I think when they're walking around the boardwalk, I think at some point she, the mom says, I heard they're shooting a movie on the other side of the boardwalk. I think that's supposed to indicate about when that scene takes place. Okay. Right. That's a, that's a technically correct fact, but on the other hand, you guys remember the awesome parts of this movie <laughs> is all over. If we, if I ask what our uh, favorite one liners, is it all going to be grandpa at the end? Well, of course. Yeah. I determined that was yeah, the best actually, final line in movie history. And you, you, uh, fought back against that. Well, no, I, I defy you that, uh, that, uh, all the goddamn vampires is not the best grandpa line in the movie. Mm. Which it's, one's the best? It's, it's when Michael gets up and he's wearing sunglasses in the house and he walks, walks into the kitchen and grandpa's also wearing sunglasses and grandpa goes, ah, I'm not the only one that got lucky last night. <laughs> <laughs> grandpa's a fun character. You know what I, best. like rewatching this movie like early on, um, I noticed like, I'm like, okay, what can it, what's different about this movie now than that hundred other times I've seen it. I'm like, Oh, look at that. There's a moment where grandpa looks at max and figures out everything that's going on. And it's right in the movie. And he looks at him and he's like, gives him a, like a fuck you're a vampire. And now I got to kill you thing. And then it just proceeds for the rest of the movie. And it totally makes sense to me now how grandpa knew to come home and stake him. It's well, the first time max comes to the house. I, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but there's a really deep fan theory that actually Grandpa is a half vampire like Michael is. I don't really feel that that holds up. Well, I don't know. It's one of those ones that people have really broken it down. So his his root beer that he keeps in the refrigerator that absolutely no one is ever supposed to touch. People think that it's actually animal blood that he's getting from all these animals he's killing and taxidermy. <laughs> All right, but there's no basis for that in the film except the assumption. Right, right. It's just a cool, I don't know. I think it's a cool thing. And the fact that at the end, whenever he reveals that, yeah, yeah, vampires, I know about those. <laughs> what about the absurd wardrobe that Max wears? <laughs> like, <laughs> when he's at work that first time she runs <laughs> into him, I'm just like, bro, even in the 80s, you're way too old to be wearing shit like that. Yeah. But his his Miami Vice esque <laughs> T shirt 
suits. The weird, like, suits with the giant shoulders that stick way out, like, almost. Yeah. uh, I want to say, like, a Max Max Headroom parody, but that's not even correct. It's just, yeah, it's weird looking. It's nice. There's not a normally dressed character in this movie. That's just how it is. That is also true. The Frog Brothers are probably the most uh, toned down of everybody. Right. And they were specifically dressed to look like Chuck Norris, <laughs> which is ridiculous. <laughs> that seems right to me, though. I got a picture of them in front of me right now. And I'm like, yeah, those are two, two Chuck Norrises. No, one, 100 percent. Corey, Corey Feldman said whenever he was preparing for this role, that Joel Schumacher came to him and was like, I need you to go rent every Chuck Norris in Sylvester Stallone movie you can find and watch them uh, because that's, where the that's, comes from. that's who you are. <laughs> that's amazing yeah i absolutely love that see if you would have told me rambo i i probably would have bet on that with yeah. the with the headband and he's very much got the uh i'm your worst nightmare voice kind of going on throughout the whole movie yeah i can see that but, uh, right yeah but, but he's wearing the delta force-esque yeah. baggy military fatigues yeah no i believe it i'm just yeah that's not, that's not the one I would have picked. I would have, I would have assumed Rambo, but sure. Well, that's I still, again, a main plot point of this movie is that there's just these like 14 year olds that work at a comic book store. Nobody has any problem with the fact that they both open and close the store late at night. <laughs> they, they fight vampires on the side. Nobody asks any questions. The only time they get a strange look is when they sneak into a church to steal some holy water. It's like, well, well, the funniest the funniest thing is that they fight vampires on the sides, but every time a vampire thing happens, they seem legitimately shocked, suggesting they never have actually seen a vampire before, but no, are still one hundred percent committed. Yeah, no, I'm I'm reasonably confident that the idea here is that yes, they know vampires are real. They've dedicated their lives to fighting them, but this is their first battle. And I think that's the concept. And I mean, in the interest of fairness, they are 14. <laughs> like they still have to get to like little league and shit. So they can't be fighting vampires every night. My my only regret of the Lost Boys is that they did not immediately make sequels to it. Yeah, I think sequels would have been really interesting. Had they happened sooner, like the yes. sequels we got, we don't need to discuss those. There's no fun in that. But Lost Boys Two, Grandpa, <laughs> Grandpa it. becomes the leader of like the Frog Brothers. They all yeah. just convene at his house now. Yeah, it's just Grandpa training the Frog Brothers how to kill people. Oh, yeah. but I mean, if you had the Frog Brothers, you could. There's so many ways you could have gone with it. You could have another round of vampires show up. You could have. Had like the frog brothers up against a different monster or werewolves or something. They do tease werewolves in the third lost boys movie. Yeah. The fact that there's a third one is just, it's what's wrong with the system. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the problem. By the time those were made, Corey had uh, gone off the deep end and. I don't, I said it before. I still understand how someone can become a worse actor. The longer they do it and the older they get. It's sometimes you just forget how to do shit, man. I don't know. But, but he made movies constantly. I don't understand how suddenly you're worse than you were when you were like 12. Do you know what I think part of the problem with Corey is, is that like a movie like this, if it was made today, there's no way 
that you're allowed to act this way today, right? Like there's no way that he's allowed to put on this performance in today's day and age. This either has to be a kid's movie where he's, it's all lighthearted and shit, or it's an adult movie where they tell the 14 year olds to stand aside when the vampires show up. So that might be the issue is that he's still acting like it's 1987 and it just, Hasn't been 1987 for a long damn time now. Maybe. I don't know. <sighs> so so we all agree this movie's awesome. Yeah. Uh, should never, ever be remade. Agreed. If we do remake it, though. With, no, with one caveat. Okay. You can, you can remake Lost Boys, but if instead of making a remake of this movie, you make the original script. Okay, what's different about the original script? Where they're all children. Because, you know, the original script, it was supposed to be a bunch of, like, 10-year-old vampires. And the Frog Boys brothers were supposed to be Boy Scouts. It was a completely different movie before Schumacher came on board. I don't the hate char- that idea. The, the character of Star is a boy in the original script. There's no love interest. It's just, it's basically about kids who have become vampires and they're going to stay young forever, you know. That actually makes the title make a lot more sense, too. Did you guys not know this? I probably did, but I probably forgot about it forever ago. I was going to say, I thought this was pretty common horror parlance. Yeah, I've heard all this before, but I I just don't think about it much. Because if I think about Lost Boys, it just makes me want to watch Lost Boys. and That's all. Yeah, I could get I could get down with somebody attempting to make the original script, but I'm also a big fan of making hard horror that stars children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's ballsy, but I was going to say, if they remade it today, who, who are we going to cast for everybody? I don't know. I, I don't know any actors that are young enough to do it. If, if we were, if this was five years ago, stranger things, kids throw them in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're all like 25 now. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The, the kid who had no teeth, he could be uh Corey Feldman's character. I'd be down with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know any kid actors now. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think of them too. Now that I said it and I guess I don't either. So we had a big push there for a while. We had like, uh, Chloe Moretz and, uh, the stranger things, kids and yeah, they're all kids, grown up. kids from it. But yeah, now they're all too old. So, I mean, if it was 1987, they wouldn't be too old. They'd be the well, perfect no. age to play teenagers. <laughs> but uh, Who plays grandpa in a, in a remake? Ooh. You know, it'd be great. Damn, all the people I'm thinking of are dead. You, you know, you know it'd be great and it would be a Clint Eastwood. I think so. That'd be, if you think back to his Gran Torino, his, his performance in that one where he's just like growling at the neighbors and shit. I could see him doing that. It's true. Although Clint Eastwood isn't funny. He can be. He's not generally fun. For some reason, John Lithgow comes to mind. I don't sure. know why. Oh, yep. yeah. John Lithgow would be good. I have no problem with that. What's the worst that could happen to you? But John Lithgow in a remake of a horror movie. It's not going to be terrible <laughs> like Pet Cemetery. <laughs> John, Lith- John Lithgow is cursed. Uh, and he's such a good actor. How did this happen? What about the mom? Who's, who's playing the mom? Marissa Tomei. Uh, I won't argue. I, th- I think that's actually a good. That's choice. actually not bad. Yeah, I don't really like this game, so I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> uh, would we say Finn Wolfhard then is gonna play Michael? Because I mean, I would weirdly, say yes. Weirdly, the system works. But. Weirdly, he still doesn't seem old enough to play play Michael, even though he's 
technically funny. the right age. I was going to say, it's funny because since we can de-age people slightly, de-aged yeah. Tom Holland in Corey Haim's place. <laughs> we're using de-aging technology now? Well, I'm saying if we can, if we can say, okay, we're making this movie 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all these actors work even more perfectly. Yeah. Um, why don't we just not remake Lost Boys? That's, right, a, better, that's, a, that's a better move. I was just trying to think of something to talk about other than yeah. uh, how fucking awesome this movie is. What do you guys do? You guys like that all the vampires die in different ways, and they just they just really have one of the Corys yell it into the camera, so we oh, all yeah. have to expect something different every time. It's totally a plot point. It's just like yeah, we're gonna kill all of them. It's just completely different. Then they throw the one guy in the bathtub full of holy water, and he gets <laughs> shooting out the toilet. Well, it's it's awesome. technically Nanook throws him into the uh, I know. into the bathtub. It's also apparently uh, foreshadowed at the very beginning of the movie because the order that you see the vampires on the carousel is the order that they die. Oh yeah, I was nice. going to pick that up. <laughs> uh, Nanook is one of the few Peter Pan references that made it through. In Peter Pan, the dog's named Nana, so they just added some extra letters on it. Okay. He's an Alaskan mal- or a, a husky, so yeah, just make it an Alaskan-sounding name. That was very 80s logic of you. Alaskan-sounding yeah. name, close enough. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than just this movie's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's so much good to be had in this movie. The, It's the epitome of the eighties where it's just, it's the eighties, eighties easiest thing that's ever come out of the eighties. It's just like <laughs> them riding their motorcycles on the beach and then getting into a punching match. And then they're like, Oh yeah, well then we'll hang off the bottom of this bridge. And now we'll attack these punk rockers who are like wild and crazy and drinking beer and listening to Aerosmith in the woods. Like, so apparently when the movie came out, there was a novelization version that was also released. Okay. That expands a whole bunch on that. So the punk rockers that they kill yeah. is another boardwalk gang that the vampires are like rivals with. <laughs> hmm. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. I was like, you know what? That Obviously, I'm not saying change the movie, but that would have been a cool additive to the movie if we were... Yeah. If it was being made today, it would be four and a half hours long, and you could put yeah, whatever uh, inane bullshit yeah. you wanted in it. It'd be an HBO uh, series. Well, because they had like they had the little like they made it known that that security guard like recognizes the vampires and is like he's trying to push them around and he's sort of their nemesis. Um, so they, it it's kind of implied that they're a known entity on that boardwalk, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, even before we realize who Max is, I mean, the security guard tells them, I told you to stay off the boardwalk. And then they show up at Max's store and Max is like, I told you guys not to come in here anymore. Yeah. Of course, there's a whole nother relationship there before we uh, told later. Well, so what do you guys think about? Is it like completely cheating to have them do the vampire tests on Max and then he turns out to actually be the head vampire, I guess. Spoiler alert. See, I don't think so because I think the, the connections of him to the vampire group are so just flagrant throughout the movie that the fact that he passes the vampire test just isn't, it's not even slightly convincing to throw you off. Yeah. I don't know. 
Like I can see it throwing people off. The only but. thing I'm, I'm question is the reflection because everything else can be explained away. They say the garlic doesn't actually work. So that whole part of it is fine. Glowing in the dark was just something they had heard. Turns out it wasn't a thing. Either. Yeah. Well, the explanation in dialogue is when you invite someone into your home, you're powerless against them. Hmm. But then grandpa still stakes him at the end. Well, because yeah. he's but he isn't invited the second time. Michael makes a point to tell him. that. So, OK, so you think that you can just uninvite them? Well, I think it's each time he comes into your home, you would have to invite him. Uh, OK, it's not really clear. Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious he's a vampire when he stands at the door and is like, you're the man of the house and I won't come in until you invite me. And right. it's like, first of all, I want to punch you for being a douchebag. Second of all, you're obviously a vampire, so I'm not inviting you. <laughs> uh, poor Max he just wanted to go on a date. I like that at the end of the day, he's just trying to create his blood sucking Brady bunch. It's kind of a fun <laughs> plot movie plot for the movie. He's like, if I get your boys turned into vampires, then you'll want to be a vampire. And, you know, you came into my store one time. So naturally, I want to make you my vampire bride forever. <laughs> vampires are very committed. They're very monogamous. Eh? They're like ready to like they live forever and they're re- ready to settle down after they meet somebody for like a day. That's kind of a consistent theme with them, especially if they look like an ex-girlfriend. Well, especially, yes. Uh, I think Corey Ham is one of my favorite uh, jokes in the movie. Not as good as Grandpa's in, in end line or anything, but it's when he finds out Michael's a vampire and he gets real mad and he's running up the stairs and he's like, my own brother, a shit-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till I tell mom, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. Like, and it's, it's so weird that the movie takes itself so seriously and yet has ridiculous dialogue like that. And as you're watching it, you just go with it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm an adult watching this. How come I'm not finding this stupid? <laughs> it tricks you somehow. I, I'm pretty sure my favorite part of the entire movie is always going to be uh, when the dog dumps that one vampire into the bathtub of holy water into every fucking water thing in the entire house <laughs> explodes. <laughs> And you're sitting there thinking, you know what? If this movie didn't end the way that it does end with Grandpa coming back and revealing that he knows about vampires, they would be in so much fucking trouble. They just destroyed this dude's house. <laughs> like, you come home and just be like, "What the hell?" But he'd, go, he'd run to the fridge though and be like, "Oh, my root beer is okay, so it's all right, I guess." I did like the mom's performance. I don't know that actress's name off the top of my head, but she's when she comes home and she's just like looking around the house, just in shock at everything that's gone on. (laughs) Still in complete disbelief until the very last second. Yeah. It's like one kid is a fucking vampire at this point. There's just random people around. (laughs) Two 14 year olds that are heavily weaponed, just standing in her living room. I was talking to Shar about the fact that one one of the dumb little things they do in this movie that's it works to such great effect is after David gets killed and, you know, Max shows up, they kind of show Max and then they pan back to David again. And basically all they've done is they've taken off the vampire makeup, obviously, and then just shaved him, just gave him clean shave to make him look kind of young and innocent again. Yep. 
And that's such a great I, I don't know. I was like, it's such a little detail, but man, it works. It works perfect because he does look a lot younger when they cut back to him. Yeah. And you and feel sorry for him for some weird reason. Yeah. Well, because he was a quote unquote lost boy, right? If they had known that Max was the head vampire and had just killed Max, he would have reverted back, right? Or would he not have because he was a full vampire? Uh, I, I think they're so loosey-goosey with the rules that nobody knows. <laughs> all right, fair enough. But Yeah, because I guess all the main vampires are dead by the time yeah, Max gets killed. It's only like half vampires. And there's like a lot of weird stuff going on there, like with Laddie. Like nobody addresses the fact that there's a kid vampire in the room. Like where did he come from? And how long, once, how once long does he wait to make his own kill? Apparently they explain Laddie in the novel that David turns a little basically abducts and turns this little kid just to give star somebody to have company with basically. Fair enough. But was it wait, didn't I'm getting the movies confused. Never mind. For some reason I thought star said something that Laddie was the one that got her, but that's Homer in the next movie. So, yeah, never mind. And then I think in the comic book they reveal that Max is Dracula's older brother, <laughs> which is such a weird revelation. Okay, getting a little extreme for no reason. Yeah, I, I don't think that's necessary. Well, there's there's something I think that comic book was called like Tales of the Frog Brothers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, they make reference to it in one of the movies later. And Corey Feldman's character basically says, yeah, that's mostly lies. <laughs> yeah, like, let's be honest. Bringing Dracula into this is unnecessary and arguably ridiculous. But. But should that stop them? Yes. Nay, <laughs> nay, nay, I say. <sighs> you so really I'm... want Lost Boys 4 with Dracula in it? No. Get back whoever played Dracula and Dracula Reborn or whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh, look, uh, Nicholas Cage is playing Dracula in the new Renfield movie, and I think that's top Dracula we're ever going to get. So, right. Yeah, at least that. At least I that's a comedy. I didn't even know that was a thing that was coming. Yeah, but I'm making it alive. I'm making a Renfield movie with Nicholas Holt, the Beast from the newer X Men movies. Yeah. And yeah, Nicholas Cage is playing Dracula. Well, uh, he's got a fucking hit movie on his hands, so <laughs> Nick Cage is coming back up. Oh, don't worry, we'll talk about that later. Uh, did I ever tell you guys my Corey Ham story from convention I went to that he was at? No. So I went to Horror Hound many times, but one of them I went, and they were having a mini sort of Lost Boys reunion. Like I think uh, it was Corey Haim, uh, like the two other vampires that you don't recognize from anything else. And then G. Tom Mack, who sings the uh, Cry Little Sister song that, you know, is all over this movie. Also known as Goth Kid Anthem Number One. Yeah. It's this and that and Paint It Black. <laughs> Uh, so I'm walking around and I see Corey Haim and in my head, I'm like, well, he's the taller Corey. 
So he should be like somewhat normal size, right? All right. He still looks like a fucking five-year-old. I'm like, how fucking short is Feldman? Jesus Christ. Later at a later convention, I did get to see Feldman. And yeah, he, he has to be almost four foot. He almost has to be four foot tall. Like it's insane how short he is. I legit didn't know that. Yeah. So Haim had to maybe been maybe like five, one at most. Like it, he was insanely short and he was the taller one. So it was just weird. Like my mind was not putting stuff together correctly after figuring that out. Um, and then like the first night, like after the convention force closed, he's everybody kind of went up to the hotel bar. You would just see people mingling about and you just see Feldman flitting around talking to different people or whatever. I think trying to bump cigarettes off people seemed about right. So second day convention goes on as usual convention ends. People are hanging out and I'm sitting, I'm sitting up at the bar talking to somebody. I get a text from, I think it was Randy text me and he says, come back to the back foyer right now. Like all in all caps. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And so this hotel had like a up, like a lobby up front. And then you go down this hallway and about where the ballrooms, like the you know rooms you could have conventions and shit in there's this like giant just open like foyer or whatever and people would just hang out in there so i get a text from randy he says come back right now so i'm just like what the fuck is going on so i go back and i get into the room and i find i are in this foyer area and i see that some for some for whatever reason G Tom Mac, the other two lost boys and Corey Haim are doing a drum circle. And then <laughs> they start singing acapella, the cry little sister song. And then in the middle of it, Corey Haim just starts rapping. I'm like, what the fuck what is going on? <laughs> fucking fever dream. Are you talking about right now? <laughs> now I would say you should probably be like, that didn't really happen, but someone videotaped it. And last time I checked, it was up on YouTube. So I just sat there and watched this whole thing unfold and just kind of, just kind of let the experience happen. And then like about six months later, he died, unfortunately. So that's my, like my last Corey Haim memory of it that I was ever going to have is of Corey Haim doing a drum circle in the middle of this convention, singing cry little sister for some reason. It was a very weird experience. That story went places I did not expect it to go. <laughs> I feel like I should be laughing, but I'm just kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not really a happy topic of discussion, is it? Well, first of all, G, G. Tom Mack doesn't deserve to be in a drum circle in a convention. He's <laughs> a, a, a musical talent. And, and Corey Hames, life is a tragedy, and I feel sorry for him. And, I do uh, feel Cor- bad for him. Corey Feldman does deserve to be a weird little gremlin beating on a drum <laughs> in the middle of a convention. But it's because he's Corey Feldman. So Corey Feldman, uh, actually, actually have a story from that convention too, but it's not nearly as exciting. Um, so he was walking around and he had just gotten divorced right beforehand. So he was pretty much just running around with a bunch of weird goth girls the entire weekend. 
Um, but my my friend Dana was with us, and she like was super drunk and saw him because for some reason his he was not sitting with the rest of the convention. He had his own little ballroom to do his autographs in because of course because he's a pretentious asshole. And uh, she saw him, and he was getting ready to leave. And she's like, oh, my God, can you, like, I, I need to, like, get something signed or whatever. Or I need a camera. That's what it was. It was before cell phones took super great pictures. And so she went to grab her boyfriend because he had the camera. And he said he would wait for her, but she was drunk. So she got distracted and got lost. <laughs> she, and I didn't see this. I only heard about it secondhand, but... So apparently she eventually did come back and Feldman was so fucking mad at her. He's like, I fucking waited for you. You took forever. You're being very disrespectful. You're blah, blah, blah. All of this stuff got her to the point where she was literally about to start burst into tears and then grabbed her. And was like, all right, let's take this picture and smile. And she looks like she's having the worst time in the world. Feldman is smiling with this weird rat tail thing looking going down the front of his face. And then later was asking people if they had booze when he's supposed to, you know, not drink because he says problem. Well, and also uh, at these conventions, they charge like $50 for a fucking autograph. I'm sure the guy's got a little bit of cash on him. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck, man? I don't know. It was weird. I mean, if it was Corey Haim, I would understand it because Corey Haim was probably lonely and just wanting people to hang out with him. <laughs> no, he had a pretty good line every time I saw him that one weekend, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird situation. The uh, whole thing is really sad. I don't like talking about the dead Corys anymore. Can we? Uh... Well, one of them's not dead. Well. It's, it's the wrong one. <laughs> it's the, the wrong problem. One. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that so, was inappropriate. I so did not wish the death on Corey Feldman. Did you watch the, uh, the two Corey's uh, reality show? I did, in fact, watch that. So did I, and I don't really know why. I mean, the first season... I think we talked about it last week, but the first season when they played it up, like it was going to be this zany reality show. Like, okay, fine. But then the second one was like super dark and sad. And they let you know from all the promos. I'm like, why am I watching this? Yeah. It was like, it it was just depressing. The second season. You're like, this (laughs) is going nowhere. Well, like this is going nowhere. Good. Somebody should be helping him instead of filming him in his time of crisis. And then, it went exactly where you thought it was going to go, right? Uh, yeah. Very sad. All right. Well, somebody talk about something funny from the movie again. Oh. Can't now. Oh. Uh, you, you remember when they have creepy bat feet? Because <laughs> <laughs> they sleep hanging upside down because they're vampires. Maybe that's why their hair doesn't need to get done all the time because they don't sleep on it so it stays nice for a long time i love the fact i do love the fact that they're looking for the coffins and then they finally find the vampire sleeping upside down and instead of cory feldman being like oh shit they don't sleep in coffins he's like ah this whole place is a coffin like, <laughs> no i no i i actually think it's perfectly consistent with the character though 
because it's like he's not going to admit he was wrong. He's just going <laughs> to he's going to proceed as though this was the plan all along. My favorite part of that whole thing is where he's like, whatever you do, don't panic. And then the first one he stabs and it's as soon as the eyes open, he just goes into full <laughs> panic mode. And he, they just cannot like everyone else can has trouble catching up to him. <laughs> so he's ahead of everybody. For the uh, for the normies in the audience who don't obsess over this movie, uh, after that scene where Kiefer Sutherland, uh, where David's, you know, chasing them and gets a hold of Corey Haim's foot and they drag him into the sun a little bit and he gets burned and you see him back into the shadow and a single tear runs down his face and you're like, ooh, so dramatic. It was actually because, like, the contacts they had in his eyes were <laughs> burning really bad. Oh, shit. And, and that tear running down was just a random thing they caught on camera, and it just so happened to be perfect. So Joe Schlumacher was like, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Great job, Kiefer. I like that. That's the kind of fun thing that, uh, you know, no long-term damage. Just <laughs> everything came together. So I looked up this Corey Ham drum circle video. And now there's a bunch of other videos with, you know, the Corys underneath of it. And it's the one where Feldman uh, was on the Today Show doing his performance. And just the thumbnail is just repeating over and over of the little dance that he does onto the stage, to the microphone. Robot dance. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm just sitting here staring at it. It's the best. He looks. He looks like. The meth-addled ghost of fucking Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking Feldman. <laughs> All right. Have we said enough about the movie? I think everyone knows we like it. Yeah, probably. We've gone on a, a number of tangents so far. Yeah. If you like vampire movies and you haven't seen this, I don't I just... You don't why? like vampire movies? Yeah, like, Why? If you like 80s movies and you haven't seen this, why? You obviously don't like 80s movies. That second statement, I think, is more apt, actually. This is more of an 80s movie than it is a vampire movie. I don't know. I would still put it. I would put this in if if I were listing my favorite vampire movies. This goes pretty close to number one. Probably not number one, but pretty close. What would be above it? Oh, fuck. There's just so many really fucking good ones. I, re- I really like Nosferatu. Yeah, the original? I, I like the original. I kind of like the, the 1970s one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the Lamprey uh, Klaus Kinski one? Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it was really good. We did, did it on the show, right? Yeah, and I do like, I, I, know, I know people have mixed feelings about it. But Bram Stoker's Dracula is really good. I agree. I think like Bram Stoker's Dracula is a very good retelling of that story. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I know it aged a little weird because of some of the special effects, but it's, yeah, you could say that about a lot of movies, right? Although none of the ones we're talking about tonight. But I think I'm partial to the uh, Christopher Lee Dracula movies. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Surprised to hear that, but that's okay. Really? Yeah. Hammer? You don't like the Hammer Dracula then? I'm not big on Hammer the way some people are. Um, 
I definitely like the later stuff more than the like I don't like Hammer's Dracula or Hammer's Frankenstein, but I like when the shit gets weird. So I like Dracula AD 1972 <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay. And I like like Frankenstein created woman. It's like I like those ones or Frankenstein and the monster from hell where it's like Frankenstein is fucking wrestling Darth Vader in a gorilla suit. Like that's the kind of shit I like from Hammer. I really don't like their tellings of the original stories. Spanish Spanish Dracula. Spanish Dracula is good. You know, I've never seen it. I owned it for years and never saw it. And just just because I want to be divisive i'm gonna throw vampire in brooklyn in there <laughs> i've never seen that either oh not not super great it didn't look good i mean i remember the trailers and i remember making a decision not to see it so i did a whole video on it you can uh, just watch it doug and you feel like you've seen it i think yeah. it's it's good maybe we should throw it on the list at some point i think it's good for what it is it's just kind of in this weird category of things off to the side. Well, the problem is everybody who's making it, including Eddie Murphy and Wes Craven, uh, wanted it to be one thing and the other person wanted it to be the opposite thing. So they did not work very well together. Yeah. Cause wasn't it Eddie Murphy was wanting it to finally be his big serious role. Uh, there was some of that. And then Wes Craven wanted to infuse a little bit more comedy into it. And Eddie seemed to be fighting him on it, but then, like, then there's the scenes where he plays like the preacher, which is completely over the top Eddie Murphy type bullshit that he does in uh, uh, the Nutty Professor. Right. So it's like, well, what are you doing, Eddie? Come on. Yeah, it's a hodgepodge. But I throw it. It goes into the same uh, pile that some of the. Uh, I, d- I don't know how to describe it. There's this very specific. Nouveau black exploitation <laughs> thing that happened. You know what I'm talking about with like the uh, the Snoop Dogg horror movie, and not necessarily Tales from the Hood because I think Tales from the Hood straight up goes with normal horror stuff. But there was a few other movies. Was it called Bones? Is that yeah. the name of it? Yeah, yeah. And a bunch of those where they have I don't know. It's this very specific tonal cultural thing that happened. And they're great. They're just, but they're their own thing. Uh, well, Doug, do you want to tell us what the Lost Boys would be like if the Corys weren't in it and it was set in Texas instead? It's set in Oklahoma, dickhead. Mm. Texas, um, Oklahoma, they're basically the same thing. Okay. If it was a quote fingers Western, quote fingers Western. It's a Western. Yeah, I don't so, buy it. All right. Well, Near Dark is uh, a very similar plot came out the same year as lost boys um basically this guy meets this girl she uh, gives him a little nick he starts to become a vampire so the vampires pick him up take him on the road with them for their traveling vampire road show and uh as he's uh as he's trying to figure out whether he wants to join them or not they go on some adventures and uh meanwhile his family is trying to track him down Leads to several really cool scenes um, that we'll discuss in detail. And eventually he figures out that he wants to stay with his family. And it leads to a big battle with the vampire clan. That about sums it up, right? Yeah. Uh, So I'm assuming you're a big fan. 
uh yeah when we were talking about <laughs> our favorite vampire movies and you guys didn't do the courtesy of saying and what's yours doug i was gonna say <laughs> near dark and i was gonna use it as a transition into this movie yeah we weren't ready yet though. we knew what you were doing i absolutely love this movie um mainly because of bill paxton and lance henriksen it, it really is just very similar to lost boys but with a different tone and i think that's why you know the subjectively we're both going to think different things about these two movies but i think it's the tone is more for me it's more serious it's darker it still has its comedic effects to it um we'll talk about bill paxton quoting kfc commercials in this fucking movie <laughs> but it's um it's just darker I like the the blood and the gore is more real and less over the top stuff like that. Yeah. So I've seen this multiple times, of course, <laughs> very first time I watched it, uh, I ended up not liking it. I don't understand that. The blood transfusion. I was not a big fan of. Okay. I was going to bring that up later and see what you guys thought. It's, yeah. It's a dumb, it's a dumb plot device. Why is it dumb? Uh, it's just dumb. So uh, just so we're clear, vampire bites a person on the neck. They get turned into a vampire. Somebody does a blood transfusion on them. They get turned back. One of those is dumb and one of those isn't. (laughs) One of those is folklore and one of those is a dumb plot device. Uh, So just because one rule is earlier. Okay. No. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> one of those is something that got made up a long time ago and one of those has got something that got made up in 1987 no, no, no yes that's what you just said no that is not what I just said one of, the, one of them is established folklore about a creature and the other is just a random ass 80s that's, you're choosing to reword it but all you're saying is one thing got made up a long time ago one thing got made up now and, you know, I mean, one of the weirdly things that are, that every nerd likes to comment about this movie is that they never say the word vampire. So technically, they don't have to stick by any of the rules. Except here's the thing. Most vampire movies, they never say the word vampire. I don't know if that's true. I, I actually 100% think that's true because it seems to be a thing. What other movie don't they say the word vampire in? You're gonna have to make me look it up. Hold on. There's there's a movie called The Hamiltons. They don't say the word vampire. Okay, I believe that. I haven't seen it, so I'll take your word for that. The David Bowie vampire movie we did. They don't say vampire. Yeah, debatable whether they were actually vampires though. <laughs> I don't think they were really vampires. We talked about that when we did the movie. Okay. Because t- vampire like zombie gets used in a generic way sometimes to discuss anything that sucks on things bloods right but it's not <laughs> it's not always accurate the show midnight mass that you guys love so much they never said vampire i agree it's true but you said most you know what i mean it's a significant <laughs> fine i will i will adjust what i said to a significant amount of vampire movies they never so- bothered to say vampire I'll even go as far as to say some, not a significant amount. But anyways, I don't know. I don't know how uh, we ended up on that tangent. That's not really important. <laughs> I was saying that I didn't enjoy the blood transfusion the first time I've seen it. So it really bothered me, but I've seen it a ton since then. And it doesn't bother me anymore. I just overlook it because the rest of the movie is so good that I just don't care about that part. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't know. Like to me, it, it makes as much sense as anything else in the movie, right? So, sure, I guess. But yeah, um, this is the problem when you introduce like magic and monsters into films. Is you get into these debates of like, how can that be unrealistic? If this, you know, it's the old, uh, how come nobody can recognize Superman with his glasses on? And then it's like, oh well, wait, he flies, and nobody questions that. It's that sort of debate that we're in. Um, anyways, why aren't we talking about Bill Paxton yet? Well, let's do it. Let's talk about Bill Paxton. Because, oh my God, this is his, in my opinion, this is his peak performance. This is where Bill Paxton is the most Bill Paxton, where somebody was like, look, you're, you're Bill Paxton. So just please go and just turn that knob to 11 and you're a vampire. And let's see where this takes us. And I fucking love it. You feel like he's, oh, he's ramped up more than, uh. Than he is in like aliens. It's finger licking good. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> All right. For those who may not have seen the movie, Bill Paxton, after complaining about the redneck he's about to eat, not being shaven, <laughs> sucks his blood and gets up and he's literally sucking the blood off his fingers still all over his face and quotes a KFC commercial. <laughs> And I think there's a <clears throat> that scene in the bar where they decide that they're going to make Caleb make a kill and they take him in there and all the like all those like rednecks are everywhere. And they I think it's a, I know the it's three songs long. So give it 12, call it 12 minutes that they're in that bar and they gradually start killing people off and causing shit. And that whole time I'm just. I think it's the best thing put on film ever. I fucking love it. And I believe that KFC line was improv, if I remember correctly. Makes sense. Yeah. But it suits the character, right? And that's... Oh, totally. You know, that's when you get actors that are comfortable together, and then you get a good director who can let them improv in the right ways. That works. Um, but yeah, that whole thing where they walk in, and they, they pick the fight at the bar so that Caleb can learn to use his vampire strength... And then, like, uh, Lance Hendrickson orders a beer and just fucking, when she gets there, he's like, ah, just the glass. <laughs> She's like, just the glass, not the beer? And he's like, yeah, just the glass. And then he, like, obviously slits her throat and bleeds her into the glass for those who are ill-informed. The, um, the guy with the beard, they, like, he's wearing, like, the trucker hat. He gets thrown on the yeah. table. He's the same guy that uh, when Schwarzenegger comes in in T2. It's the same guy? Okay. He puts his cigar out on Schwarzenegger's chest. Yeah, it's the same guy. All right. Then he has another. I'm trying to think of what the other movie is. Because he pretty much plays the same character in all three. Just weird so biker guy. So what you're saying is like James Cameron makes Aliens in 86. And then his wife steals a bunch of stuff from him to make this movie. And then he's like, oh, that bar scene was pretty cool. I'll take that for my next movie. <laughs> pretty much. All right. Uh, Fair enough. The the quote fingers kid who plays Homer mm-hmm. is the half brother of the star of the previous movie. Uh, which sorry, half brother of who? He's the half brother of uh, 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 God damn my brain. So J- Jason, Jason Patrick. Patrick. Oh, okay. Which I don't think I was aware of. No, I did not know that. No. They both, I looked they at both, and they both starred in vampire movies in the same year. Yeah. So I just learned the other day that Jason Patrick is Jason Miller's son from 
Exorcist. Yep. That's weird because most people pass down their last name, not their first name. Right. Anyways. Uh, so what's what's your favorite parts, Doug? Besides I mean, the bar scene. The bar scene is I genuinely Epic. great. I I mean that whole thing is just so fucking good. Um, right down to like if you're listening to the song, if you've watched the movie enough times, like me, so that you start listening to the music in the background to see if you can pick things out. There's even like a moment where it's like this is where the cowboy runs away is the lyric of the song, and then the cowboy jumps out the window and runs away. <laughs> so it's fucking perfect um i love the shootout that results because caleb lets that guy go that guy goes and gets the authorities that shootout scene where they're all like like billy the kid at the end of fucking young guns trapped in the house with the law surrounding them and the one guy has to make a break for the the van and take it all out that's all fucking great um like what do you guys think of that scene isn't it nobody seems to care about this movie except me no, no, we do. I just, we're just, we're just we, listening to you talk then. Yeah, we're just listening to you express all your happiness. Um, yeah. No, I like it. I like the uh, how it's light out and they keep shooting holes and everything. So all this light yeah. comes spilling in. Like all that stuff's fantastic. That first shot where Severn just blows the hole in the door and then the light comes in and hits him in the chest and blows him back. <laughs> and I love that for like the rest of the movie, he's still got that hole in his shirt. <laughs> but yeah. What about, uh, so that, that whole scene is just, fantastic that whole shootout mm-hmm. and that like it's really weird too because the vampires have been the bad guys this whole movie and they sort of switch it in that scene you sort of feel like they're surrounded and they're trapped and you sort of start rooting for them a little bit and yeah. you want caleb to get to that van and save them all right because now and i think it's because our main character has sort of joined the team and they don't it's weird how it messes with your head a little bit how now we don't know who the good guys are anymore, even though it's fairly obvious that the vampires are the bad guys. It's not like it's a close call. Yeah. Yeah. After he gets the, uh, the van and saves them all for some reason. Yeah. It seems to switch. They all start treating them better. Yeah. Well, uh, you saved them. I mean, it's not, well, of course, but I mean, you know, Bill Paxton's character, he easily still just be an asshole for the rest of the movie because that's his character and he'd yeah. be fine with it. But some well, reason is, like right? like this whole this whole uh bonding moment they all are just like yeah and then suddenly like they become endearing for some yeah, reason even for the audience it's it's a real mind fuck too because they transition straight from that like the next night in movie time they're at the hotel and they run into caleb's family so he's not only has our main character joined this team, but the audience has gone along for the ride. Now we're on their side and immediately they're like, Oh, and they're going to try to kill his dad and his little sister. And maybe it's implied they do some other things to the little sister. It's really dark where it gets to. And you're like, Oh shit. I thought those were the good guys. What's this movie doing to me? I do do like the fact that I like that Homer's character. They kind of tell the, story in reverse of what they normally would do you know normally they would introduce that character and convince you that oh he's just a child and then you know slowly over time revealed that he is actually a (laughs) monster in a child's body and instead they introduce him as a monster and then the big reveal at the end is that even though he's super old he still is just a fucked up child that is lonely it's yeah, it's an interesting character because the idea that he's kind of both, that he's this like really old man who's also a monster, who's also a child, is very interesting. And 
I mean, they don't have time to get into it too much because he's not one of the main characters, but it's it's kind of a neat idea. He's, he throws hissy fits like a child, but on the other hand, he like has the knowledge and desires of an adult. It's weird. Have you guys ever read any of the stories about the antics that went on during the filming of this movie? Because there's well, a yeah. whole lot of crazy fucking stories yeah. about Lance Hendrickson and Bill Paxton fucking with people. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Bill Paxton one's my favorite with his messed up face just hanging out near train stops and being like, oh, I got all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Lance Hendrickson, you know, because he's kind of a bit of a methody kind of guy. He came up with this whole backstory for that character that isn't ever really addressed in the movie other than saying that he was in the Civil War. And he went so far as to paint his hair black with like uh, tar like they used to do back in the day. And he would get in his car and drive around in the country staying in character. And I guess he got pulled over by a cop one time and he fucking freaked the cop out so fucking bad that the cop was finally just like, get the fuck out of here, man. (laughs) Get away from me. Yeah. Well, I think at one point he was hitchhiking in character as well. If I've I've heard that story before. Oh yeah. 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 And he gave the dude 50 bucks at the end and he was like, that's for being a good sport, man. It's like, fuck man. Like, it's because that's the thing. He, he's so serious and so dark in this movie. And when you've got him beside Bill Paxton, just acting fucking crazy. It's amazing. The juxtaposition. I love it. It's I mean, I mean, like, one of the things I love about the movie is just the fact that each of the vampires has their own like character, right? They all have their own character. They all have a backstory. We don't really get into all of their backstories very much, but we know that there is one. And it's sort of this family. But they don't always get along. and I, I really like the way it played out. I like that Jesse's like kind of like he reminded me of the like older Spider-Man in Into the Spider-Verse where he's just like he still kind of likes doing it and he's still having fun and he's really good at it now. But he's not really as excited about being a vampire anymore, you know, so he's just kind of like, yeah, we'll find some people. We'll kill them once in a while. It's fun to do certain things. But for the most part, we're just going through the motions. Um. It's going to bring up a point. I completely forgot about it. That's good. Do you want to talk about Lance Henriksen getting shot in the chest and then spitting up the bullet? (laughs) Oh, God, I love that moment. It's so good. He spits that bullet out and then he that moment where he puts it in the guy's shirt pocket and like gives it that double tap. Like, here you go. You can have this back. (laughs) Fucking just the most badass moment I've ever seen in my life. I love it. Does such a good job of making characters so badass with barely doing anything. Yep. And I love when the when they run out of there and then like Caleb's father is like, those people are normal, normal people. When you shoot them, they don't spit the bullet back. <laughs> he has <laughs> no idea how to react. It's like, uh, I'm not sure if I know how to handle this. <laughs> no, no, these are definitely people you're not used to dealing with. So it was, yeah. Um, how do we feel about Caleb? How do we feel about, uh, his, what's his name? Adrian Passier? The something? flying man? The guy from Heroes? <laughs> the, the flying man. <laughs> no, I think he's good in the role. It's another it kid scenario. It is still 1987, so I'm like, I don't know if he's 22 or 17. I don't. <laughs> it is weird that he does seem as old as he does, and yet he's got a sister that's not even 10 yet. 
Yeah, and he like lives at home, and it's but it's it's like exactly like Lost Boys. There's, the similarities are so close, where it's like he comes home late, and the dad's like, "Oh, it's about time he came home." Like, but not. It's like, well, if he's old enough that he's allowed to stay out all night, why are you so annoyed that he stayed out all night? You have to make up your mind here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. Um, <clears throat> every time I watch this, I'm always impressed with. Uh, oh, what the fuck? I'm completely blanking on her name. The director, Catherine Bigelow. Uh, I'm always surprised at how good of like a horror movie it is. Yeah. Um, cause I don't think she's ever done any other horror movies. Not that I know of. I haven't, I didn't check her IMDb or anything before we recorded this, but she's like made good movies, but yeah, I was a big fan of the Hurt Locker and, um, yeah. I'm completely blanking. I should have thought this out before I actually brought it up, but I just really like, I think a lot of the imagery, I mean, there's the famous, shot of them sort of walking over the hill with the backlighting coming yeah. up. Fuck that's All so that cool. stuff just... I feel like the whole movie just looks amazing. Yeah, that shot of them coming over, that's right before the bar scene, and it's just like, it's the perfect setup shot where you're like, look at these fucking badasses and their silhouette with the, the like sunset in the background. Like, we're about to witness something great. They're about to do something cool, and then they get their entrance. It's almost like a WWE entrance at some point. It's like... So cool. <laughs> but there's a lot of like really good shots. What about them? Um, I mean, we're jumping ahead a bit, but at the very end when Homer is running down the road in the daylight and his head is on fire and shit. I'm like, I have no idea how they pulled that special effect off in 1987. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like they did some, um, just some opticals of just overlaying fire on top of it, but it still yeah. looks pretty good. It looks like amazing compared to anything else I've seen from that era of like, usually the two options are it looks terrible or you just light a dude on fire and they seem to have found a way to find a way around that. So yeah, but the only other horror thing Catherine Bigelow's done is, uh, this would be tangential, which would be blue steel with Jamie Lee Curtis, which is good. I, yeah, I watched that just, a while back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, cop versus a serial killer sort of movie. Yeah. So I'm just kind of baffled she hasn't done more like horror stuff because it seemed like it worked out really well with this one. Yeah. I mean, must not be your passion. Well, it should be for my benefit. I agree. Um, but it's not up to us. What do we think of that whole final fight between the, the vampire clan and Caleb when he comes, he comes riding out on his horse? I he guess it's... I think it's all good until the very end. Why? I don't know. The the end where Lance Hendrickson's character and uh, what's what's her face is his switchblade girlfriend. I just I don't. It's it's supposed to be one of those last stand kind of things, but it just kind of doesn't make any sense. It's like they could have just drove off and yeah it killed him tomorrow. And instead, it's like, let's drive at him slowly, exposed to the sun. I think it was going to die. more supposed to be a mom and dad. Once all your kids have been taken away from you, what do you do next? Right. Go make, go make more. Come on. I mean, I guess, but <laughs> like the idea that, the, that losing all of their children, I think just caused them to go, Oh, fuck it. And then they're just trying to take him out with them, which they fail at. I mean, they don't even get close. <laughs> there isn't even like any intensity at the end. No, it's more of a suicide than it is anything else. I agree with that. Um, you know, there's yeah. Thelma and Louise before there was Thelma and Louise. 
from what I've heard, I think it's just they're supposed to be just tired of tired of living forever. And this yeah. like Doug said, they're everything they've made has pretty much been unmade and they're just tired of doing it, so they're just like, fuck it. Yeah, that's I mean that's how I took it. So I I've never really questioned it. Um like Caleb beat them more on a psychological level, I guess. He had to blow Severin up with a truck, but he gets to <laughs> Which by the way, like when your when your husband makes a movie where the main character, main villain gets blown up in a truck that flips over by and then you do it like three years later in the exact same way. <laughs> I've watched I've watched Bill Paxton getting blown up in that scene about a million times. And there is a chunk of debris that like kind of flies into the foreground and lands as you're watching it. And I, I still, to this day, I can't figure out if that's supposed to be Bill Paxton's corpse or not. <laughs> I'll rewatch it and let you know. Yeah. Cause it's floppy. It's real floppy. You're like, Hmm. Every time I watch this movie, I, I want him to come walking out Terminator style. I just want him to. <laughs> Cause the scenes are so similar between this and Terminator that I'm just like, Arnold got to walk out. Well, technically, Robert Patrick. Did. No, I'm thinking Terminator One. Oh, fair enough. Which I mean, yeah. I was just thinking specific the semi blowing up scene. Semi blow up in uh, Terminator One as well. They just blow up semis and everything. <laughs> what is it? I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen the first one. James Cameron was a truck driver before he became a film director. Eh? It's just his way of getting revenge. Yeah, because I think in Terminator 2, it's supposed to be the opposite because the stuff that comes out freezes him as opposed to it was burning him in the first one. Well, I was thinking more the um, when the T-1000 is driving the semi through the uh, the water runoff. Oh, okay. And they're on the motorcycle. Yeah, and then it explodes and then out of the flames comes walking the... uh, All right metal whatever we're not even talking about the same semi getting blown up nope <laughs> all right there was more more than one it's a trope in james cameron films apparently it was weird how he worked in his head into titanic as well yeah i know super awkward uh anything else about near dark before we uh move on no i feel obligated to point out the symbolism of he movie starts he puts on that cowboy hat when the vampires go to uh go to kidnap him his hat falls off and then when he after he does his blood transfusion and he's saved, he puts the hat back on. <laughs> There's no way that's an accident. So well, if they went through once, the effort of putting it once in the again, movie, quote fingers. Western. It's a western. Yeah, it's I don't I don't see any tropes of it this being a western whatsoever. The, the shootout with the law enforcement surrounding them and the one guy has to go out and get the air quote horses and bring them in so the other one can ride off. It's literally like the only Western we've recovered on this podcast. That's how it ends. <laughs> the saloon. Oh, yeah. The if general there's atmosphere. a bar in a movie, it's a Western. He uses a spur to open up veins. Come on. Yeah. I don't. It's, that's not exactly a trope of Western movies. <laughs> that's more be. of a trope of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. <laughs> if that was a trope of Western movies, I'd watch a lot more Western movies. I know that much. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. 
Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Noah, what did you watch since last week? I watched things. Uh, so first I went to the theater. I was planning on seeing uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get the times to work out because the local theater is only showing it like three times a fucking day for some reason. <laughs> so instead, I went and saw Fantastic Beast, The Secret of Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, really? And I'll tell you what. So I wasn't thoroughly impressed with the other two Fantastic Beast movie. And I actually really enjoyed this one. Hmm. See, I really enjoyed the first one. Was not a fan of the second one. I've not heard good things about the third one. Uh, I I only have one big gripe about the third one, but my big gripe is literally the end of the movie. Gotcha. So so it's super spoilery for anybody that would be interested in going to see the movie. So <laughs> I don't really want to talk about it. All right. But needless, needless to say that I feel like the end of the movie was very specifically set up one way and the way they went cheapens the end of the movie. And that's that's a little disappointing. Did uh, did you pay for like the uh, IMAX extreme version? There's an extreme version. Yeah. Uh, Ezra Miller comes into the theater and chokes you while you watch. <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck? How the fuck is he still working? I don't understand it. Well, he's not working right now. He's getting arrested every second day. So, <laughs> is he in that Fantastic Beasts movie? Because I know nothing about it. So, yeah, he's I been. Just, in, the people first get. One. I'm just saying, people get fired from stuff for rumors about mm-hmm. them. I mean, and this dude, this is. I don't even know what his fifth or sixth <laughs> public incident. Of him just causing havoc in some normal person's life, which is yeah. just the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. That there is a non-zero chance that Ezra Miller is going to get drunk and show up at your house and pick a fight with you or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that idea. It's just weird. I don't know what I would do if, if Ezra Miller was right now on my front line, be like, I heard you've been talking shit about me. I'd be like, go away, bad flash. Leave me alone. I heard someone say there's more of a chance of getting attacked by Ezra Miller out at a bar than there is a trans person attacking someone in a, in the wrong bathroom. That's and I'm true. like, that is a true fact. That is weirdly a true fact. (laughs) As laws against Ezra Miller. That's what we're saying. Yes, Ezra Miller should not be allowed to compete in sports. We all know that. That's a given. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand how that dude is not. uh, How they haven't reshot most of the flash just to get him out of it. But but anyway, back to Dumbledore. Yeah, I don't sure. know. I I th- like I said. I think it's an all right movie. I a lot of the hate that it's getting, I feel like, may be misplaced for two reasons. Number one, people are mad at J.K. Rowling for being an ignorant doofus. Mm-hmm. In which that's fine. Like, be mad at her. Don't go see her movie. Like, 
if you don't want to give her money, that's fine. Do do what you do. Uh, or the fact that so this movie makes Dumbledore's sexuality explicit, which is weird seeing how <laughs> they've. I, I don't know. With the last two movies, it's like, OK, well, why would you not have said it in the previous films? Like, I know J.K. Rollins just straight out said that she always kind of envisioned Dumbledore as being gay. But oh. and I don't I don't care. As long as he's gay and not a uh, woman trapped in a man's body, she's perfectly OK yeah. with it. Yeah, but it's not, I mean, it's not a spoiler to say this because it's literally the opening scene of the movie. But Dumbledore basically says, I was in love with Grindelwald. Like, it's one of the very first lines of the film. It's like, okay. (laughs) Weird. Weird that, you know, you guys interacted in the last movie. (laughs) We didn't bring that up. But I understand that the big difference is that Johnny Depp was no longer playing him. And now was... uh, (laughs) What's what's his face? Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, who oh, I'm a straight guy. Mads Mikkelsen's a good looking guy. <laughs> and Johnny Depp is a weird looking gremlin of a human being. He's he's going the route of Corey Feldman, I think. Okay, well, hair, hair's getting longer. He's getting thinner and weirder. Weirdly, he stayed looking at the exact same up till he was like 55. And now he's just melting or something well now he's like tying his hair back in a ponytail to try to look respectable for court it's weird right <laughs> but so moving on from that i'm sure. i'm not going to convince anybody either way if you're a harry potter person you're going to go see that fucking movie uh and then the other movie i watched was nobody because it was on hbo and char happened to leave the house for like an hour and a half and i was like "Ooh, violent movie <laughs> violent movie while she's not in the room go 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 is it so violent you wouldn't watch it, though? It's pretty violent. Well, I've seen it. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember it yes. being super violent. What? Well, I mean, it's violent as in, like, punchy-punchy violent. But, I mean, there's not, like, a ton of, like, blood or whatever, which I thought is what she's usually well is squeamish even, about. Well, even the implied stuff. And there's a whole lot of stabby-stabby and, like, people getting severely injured in the bus scene. <laughs> Sure. Uh, but man, I really like this movie. Yeah, it's a good time. I was a fan of it. Yeah. I, I only have one little complaint about it. And there's some kind of tonal shift that happens about three quarters of the way through the movie that I don't, I don't quite understand the shift that happens because it goes from this very almost grounded, realistic, although John Wisk wick-esque level of skill of violence to a cartoon and i'm not sure why it makes that switch because you know the first the first big eruption of violence is the bus scene which is kind of a very visceral imperfect fight scene which that's kind of the way i like them where you know the good guy yes he does Wally stomp six guys or whatever, but in the process, he gets that, you know, gets the shit beat out of him. He just wins. And it goes from that to at the end of the movie where it's him and his brother and his dad with infinite guns and traps manage to take on an entire army of people in like he gets injured once. 
Yeah, totally. Although I forgive all of that because man, Christopher Lloyd fucking people up with a shotgun may be the best thing that's ever <laughs> happened in my entire life. <laughs> Something you didn't know you needed until you saw it. I didn't know that was in that movie. I'm going to yeah. see that movie now. Oh my fucking God. I'm telling you, Doug, there's a moment at the beginning where he, he decides that he's going on his mini little rampage and he goes to his dad's in a retirement home. And he goes in and he's stealing his dad's gun and taking a few things. And the dad wakes up and he's like, dad, there's something I got to go take care of. You know, and the dad like looks at him kind of knowingly and he's like, well, go take care of it. <laughs> and then later he calls him and he says, dad, that thing that I needed to take care of has escalated and you need to watch yourself. And Christopher Lloyd just goes, Okay. And he kind of has this look on his face like, you know, what's up. And then whenever the people show up to kill him, it's it's I don't know. I don't know how to ex- explain it other than going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Christopher Lloyd plays Bob Oden- Odenkirk's dad. So All right. that should be enough to lure you in. And then Christopher Lloyd with the shotgun is yeah. even better. He's apparently a 90-year-old ex-FBI badass. All right. I don't know how no one told me this before. <laughs> well, now, I, well, I believe now I talked about, the show, about it on here before. You just weren't paying attention. Yeah, that's probably true. But yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's so good. It really is. It, like, I think we all have to admit it's kind of a John Wick knockoff movie. Oh, totally. But. That doesn't yeah. mean it's not good. Yeah, but it's great. And it apparently did well enough. They're talking about doing another one. So, well, it's 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 a, just a real interesting movie because it doesn't exactly have like it doesn't have a a traditional story arc to it. It's it's kind of like I don't know. I guess it's supposed to be kind of a character piece about the transformation of Bob Odenkirk's character from family man to kind of going back to being a monster but combining that or something you know what i mean <laughs> like trying to keep his morals while just fucking everyone up or something weird to that extent because it's i don't know it starts off with the house getting robbed and then he goes because he thinks they accidentally stole his daughter's kitty cat bracelet and then it turns out that they didn't but in the process he just decides to beat the ever-living fuck out of these people who are being douchebags who turn out to be connected to the Russian mob and then it all goes sideways from there and basically he ends up in a war with the the Russian mob over nothing. (laughs) It's really, yeah. You know, that old chestnut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is is a weird meandering. I would describe it as like Stephen King storytelling. Where you. where he just keeps going off on tangent after tangent after tangent after tangent and then just ends the story. <laughs> He's like, yep, all them tangents were the story. <laughs> we're, we're done now. All right. What? I love Stephen King. I'm just that's the way he writes. Sometimes dude will write 300 pages about why a person chose a salad for lunch. It's fucking weird. It's important to develop the character that he'll kill off. In the next scene. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, so, oh, oh no, actually, I did watch a third thing. I watched the documentary uh, Until the Wheels Come Off, which is about Tony Hawk. Just because I've always kind of been 
interested in him in the fact that uh, he's kind of been in the public light for a really long time. And I don't recall any major scandals involving him. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest scandal seems to be that nobody recognizes that he's actually Tony Hawk. (laughs) Well, it's, well, it's, it's interesting that in the, in the documentary, they actually talk about apparently he did have some problems like where he was like drinking and cheating on his uh, wife and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, that's what happens when you get paid four million dollars for a video game. Well, also, you get paid a bunch of bunch of money and you're like 17 at the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was talking about that. Luckily, apparently he had good parents who were like, you know, you have to pay taxes and stuff. <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah, because that's what he said. He he was like, you know, that shit goes to your head and you get jaded and you start spending all this money. And he goes, and luckily he had his dad. He goes, and my dad was like, okay, now you need to set money aside for uh, taxes. And even though you're in high school, you should probably go ahead and buy a house because you've got the money. So why not build the equity? And that's actually really it's nice to hear that there was like good parents involved in somebody getting rich young. For once mm-hmm. right they well just take it for themselves and the fact that so i didn't know this but apparently his dad was heavily involved in organizing skate tournaments okay and so it, i i didn't follow skating close enough to know all this but whenever tony hawk started winning tournaments at a real young age I guess everyone was just shitting all over him all the time to be like, yeah, your fucking dad rigged the whole thing. And I guess that that pretty much carried forward through the first like 10 years of his career, even though he was taking first place in every (laughs) thing, no matter who was organizing it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's got to be a point where it just becomes undeniable. It's like, no, come on. I mean, just just watch him skate. Obviously, he is amazing. Well, it's yeah. it, well, it's funny because the documentary. So they have a bunch of the old school guys, you know, the old uh, pool grinders, and you know all those, you know what I mean, the Dogtown style skaters. And one of them talked about it, and he goes, "You know, we would go to tournaments and see what he was doing, and get so pissed off because he'd be like, what is he doing? That's not real skating. What's all this flippy shit he's doing?'" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is I don't know. It's it's so funny to think about that there was how evolved that sport has become over our lifetime where originally it was like, Oh, he's riding on one foot. (laughs) (laughs) Such, such skill. And now it's like, Oh my God, he spun at 5,000 miles an hour upside down, blindfolded and didn't snap his knees into a thousand (laughs) pieces. Yeah. It's funny because the stuff that would have won you like tournaments, like in 1981 is now stuff that just kids do on the way to school. Right. <laughs> well, they talk they talk about that. So uh, a 540 or uh, a McTwist, they were talking about the guy who invented it and him unveiling it at this one tournament. And all of a sudden that became this benchmark of if you wanted to compete in a tournament, you had to be able to do that one trick. So the people who couldn't learn that trick all of a sudden became amateurs. You know, just it's just I, I don't know. That's that's fascinating. It's 
It's like watching the Olympics and somebody comes out and does some new kind of weird twist while they're diving. And all the judges are like, well, all the rest of you can go fucking home now. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you can't do that shit, you ain't scoring no points. So get the fuck out. That's funny. I don't know. But it was a, it was a good documentary. I, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I probably won't. <laughs> Did you say you probably won't? No. <laughs> that not really interest me, but... Uh, all right. Anyway, what'd you watch, Doug? Um, just one thing. I was still in vampire mode, so I decided to rewatch Let Me In from 2010, which is the remake of Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. Um... Did you guys know that this is like a really, really good movie? <laughs> yeah, I did. I I haven't seen it, I don't think, since 2010. I remember liking it. But I think I, when I saw it, I was still thinking of it as a remake, right? And then I rewatched it, and I'm just like, holy shit. Like, these two kid actors are great. Like, the relationship between them is really cool. It's actually very similar to the relationship between Caleb and, uh, and May at the beginning of... Uh, near dark unlike they do a really good job of introducing all the vampire lore naturally without actually like saying it or explaining it like you know like little things like having her come to the window and being like you have to invite me in and then later in the movie he realizes oh if i didn't invite you in what would have happened and she shows him and it's like fucked up and it's (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah i mean i I was blown away by how good this movie is. Um, See, normally uh, I get really pissed when they do American remakes and stuff. And I'm just like, God damn it. Just fucking watch the original. So even when the remake comes out, I'm normally just like, no, fuck that shit. I'm down the Swedish version or whatever original Norwegian and watch that because it's way better. But somehow this one is equally as good as. Yeah. The one it's based off of, and I feel like Matt Reeves actually gets the uh, gets the tone down really well. Makes it even feel mm. a little bit darker than the original one. Yeah, he and, really nails it. I yeah. totally forgot Matt Reeves directed this too. And adds in a couple more extra things that's not in the original movie. The um, the shot from inside the car when the car flips, and that whole segment is fantastic. Oh, it's like it's it. It's just a fantastic movie. I love the whole, I love all the relationships between the different characters. I love the way they make it the eighties. They don't really even like, this is before it was cool to make things be the eighties, right? This is 2010 yeah. and yeah. they're not having fun with the eighties the way like no, this is things, a, things do. It's just, yeah. this isn't the like lost boys eighties. This is yeah. just the eighties, the eighties we all grew up in. Where there's like yeah. a kid getting like the kid getting bullied at school. I was having like flashbacks watching it. I'm like, holy shit, this is what the eighties was like. <laughs> but it, and then, you know, when he finally snaps and like smacks one of the other kids and then he's the one in trouble and you're like, what the, what was he supposed to do? That's exactly how I felt when I was a kid. But yeah, just a, a really solid movie. Kind of subtle. Not a lot of, um, not a lot of action sequences, but the ones that are in it are also really good. I really liked uh, Richard Jenkins as the like familiar. Yeah, he's really good. He's uh, just perfect casting for that, like sort of beaten down, kind of like forced to be doing these things that we're doing. There's the one scene where he goes to make a kill and then he gets stuck in the car. 
because the second person gets in. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence is really good. Yeah. yeah Richard Jenkins is good in anything. <clears throat> and it's like unfair because if you stick him in like a comedy role, he's usually fucking hilarious. Yeah. You put him in a dramatic role like this. He's fantastic. And then he's in, you know, he's kind of kind of got a dark, dark job in this movie. Yeah. And he's fucking scary when he does it. So he just fucking yeah. kills everything. Yeah. Also, the mask he wears kind of reminded me of the Riddler mask from the new Batman. I'm like, are we reaching that far back into our? <laughs> no, I guess it's true. So I'm like, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what else to say about this movie. I'm sure most people have either seen it or will never see it. But if you haven't seen it, or if, you, if you're a fan of the original, obviously see it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check it out. It's probably available on a streaming service in every country. And it's, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's now widely accepted that Matt Reeves is this great director who makes really good movies and, this is what he was his little horror movie that he had to make in order to get, be allowed to make Batman. So sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess the timing too to have Chloe Grace Moretz be the perfect age and that the kid whose name, I don't know, but he was in the road I'd like to have them yeah. just come along right when you're about to make this movie must be perfect because <laughs> kid actors are hard to come by. Um, Cody Smith McPhee. Sure. I'm going to go on to play the younger Nightcrawler in the, the newer X-Men movies. Yeah. I don't uh, from his creepy roles. This in the road. Yeah. Uh, this is currently uh, streaming on Netflix in the U.S. for anybody. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. I haven't watched it in a while. It's so rewatch it at some point. I was going to watch the original, and then I realized it's on our list of upcoming movies. So I'm like, well, I'll wait till it's time. And then I'm like, oh, well, they remade it. Why not that? <laughs> this is a way to get around it. This is how I like get my around my own rules that I made up. <laughs> but yeah, that's actually all I watched this week. All right. So, well, I went and saw the unbearable weight of massive talent. We did. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, it's not nearly as zany as I thought it was going to be. Which is it dramatic? No, it's not dramatic either. I mean, it's funny. It's still got comedic stuff in it. But I feel like Nicolas Cage isn't making fun of himself as much as I thought he was going to be. Which is fine. It's still good. Like, it's still enjoyable. Well, uh, I saw him uh, I saw him on, uh, like, whatever talk show, and he's talking about how he wanted them to hire somebody else to play Dick Cage, and he would play something else in the movie. Yeah. And Which seems like a studio Nick, was Nick like, Cage thing nope. to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why don't you have them with like, we already did that with face off. So we're not doing that again. Um, yeah, it's good. It's fun. It's, uh, Pedro Pascal is fantastic in it. Um, at one, at one point they, they take acid and they're driving around the Island and, uh, just hilarity ensues. Just the, being super paranoid, thinking that someone's following them and they keep seeing like a pair of guys. They think it's the same people following them, but it's just the people look somewhat remotely similar to the last set of guys they saw, and it's making them more paranoid. That's pretty fun. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just goofy and funny and 
Nicholas Cage uh, does a really bad Italian accent at one point. That's important. It is. That happens. And uh, I was just like, wow, really? They're just going to let him do that, huh? All right. Is but, it yeah. intentionally bad or is it just uh, Nick Cage being Nick Cage? It's, uh, I think, a little bit of both. All right. Um, there's some point they have to get out of a situation and Nick Cage has to dress up like some Italian guy because they just happen to have all the, uh, all the stuff to, the, uh, stuff to make him up to play like an old Italian guy. Okay. And so they, he's doing, did you ever see Captain, uh, Corelli's Mandolin or whatever that fucking movie he was in? I, I know of it. Apparently he does a horrible, like Italian, he, he does a horrible, speaking an Italian scene in that movie. Okay. And this is pretty much that like cranked up by another couple notches sure. and it's completely over the top and just goofy. And yeah. So, but now it's a lot of fun. If you enjoy Nick cage, uh, definitely worth a watch. It's, uh, like I said, not as zany. It's a little bit more grounded than I thought it was going to be, but Still good. Plus, I've been watching Nick Cage do all these interviews since he yeah doesn't usually do the uh, the late night circuit and stuff. And now that online stuff is a thing, he's been doing lots of uh, video interviews. Yeah. So all that stuff's been hilarious. And you know what? It's worth it just for all that stuff because it's even funnier just to watch Nick Cage be oh. Nick Cage. It's pretty funny because like when you watch him, like he did like or like Wired magazine or whatever does that thing where they're like the most searched questions on yeah the internet for you, and like half the time he's like I don't know how to answer that. He's just like taking it so seriously, and it's like this is. It's like did you go up? Did you go to the upstairs in Graceland when you were there? Well, that's none of your business. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like all right. It's, it's, yeah. He just seems to take himself very, very seriously, and I find that hilarious. <laughs> when one of the questions was, has Nick Cage ever turned down a role? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, oh, yes, lots of them, lots, lots. More than you would think, I think is what he said. Yep. Uh, I saw some other interview where he did acknowledge that uh, – he did all those direct-to-video movies because he had to pay that huge tax bill off that his yeah. accountant fucked him over on. Yep. But he straight up said, and I can't really argue with him, I guess. He's like, yeah, I did all those movies, but I never phoned it in, not once. I was, I took every role completely seriously. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's fair. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the Nick Cage of it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's another one I saw where they, like, he was talking about how he loves living in Vegas, and they're like, "How? Why'd you move there for tax reasons?" He's like, "Well, initially, yes." <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you get a chance, unbearable weight of massive talent, definitely worth it. Has a lot of fun. Pokes some, pokes some fun at Hollywood. Also, uh, uh, David Gordon Green plays himself in a quick segment of it. Or Nick Cage, he's they're having lunch and Nick Cage is trying to get on his next movie. Okay. And uh keeps telling him like oh, I'll be great. I'd love to read the script. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll send it over. And then you can see him sit there and he goes, I would love to 
read for the part? Like he's trying to figure out how, how far he's got to go to get this part. Oh no, you wouldn't have to do that. Oh no, no, of course not. Of course not. Yes, yes, yes. But then like, as they're leaving, like they're standing at the valet so that David Gordon Green's waiting for his car to come. Nick Cage just bursts into some weird monologue out of nowhere where he's like yelling and stuff. David Gordon Green's just sitting there just like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, so it's so great. I love it. Um, we watched uh, Uncharted because, oh, yeah. I don't know, Amanda wanted to watch a movie. I really wasn't in the mood to watch something I had to really pay attention to. And I'm like, oh, this will work. Sure enough. It's about uh, what you would expect. Big blockbuster uh, action movie. I only yeah. played like half of one of the games. So like, I was not never like in love with this series or anything, but uh, I feel I've like never, it was... I had no interest in that one whatsoever. It just like the trailers were like, oh, I don't. This wasn't made yeah. for me. This is made for the people who see Fast and Furious movies. That's the way I looked at it. Well, it's completely miscast. Um, Tom Tom Holland plays the uh, Nate, Nathan Drake, and then Mark Wahlberg plays Sully in an alternate universe when they were going to make this movie about 10 years ago. Mark Wahlberg was supposed to play Nathan Drake. And fans of the game were pissed off because the obvious choice is Nathan Fillion to play that role. And then okay. J.K. Simmons is supposed to play the Sully role. Mark Wahlberg ended up playing. So very different people. They are. And Mark Wahlberg definitely know JK Simmons. I spent most of the movie just annoyed by him even being present. So he can <sighs> act occasionally. He's weird. Yeah. Yeah. But when he gets to like these big action movies, he feels, I don't know if he feels like he can just leave that at the door. I don't know. Like I don't have to bring it for this one. I can just, be goofy Mark Wahlberg stuff, but I guess. Yeah. So yeah. There's like three uh post credit scenes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They're, planning, they're planning on this being a big uh, big spin-off, apparently. So see. I probably yeah. won't see the sequels if I didn't see the original. So yeah, I was not too in, excited by it, but I was able to watch it for free, so I didn't really give a shit. Um, and then uh, I followed that up with uh, X, which I missed in theaters and wanted to check out. Oh, yeah. I know you were a big fan of this movie. So I liked like it. before. Uh, set in the 70s. Yeah, sure. People rent like a guest house on a farm to go shoot a porno. Without and, telling the farmers. Yeah, without really telling the farmer what they're what they're doing there and then uh people start dying yeah that's and, the plot. Uh, i got i don't know i was excited for the movie but i got kind of bored with it about halfway through so that's when it gets exciting though. yeah i mean i know i know that his stuff ty west stuff is slow burn stuff so i'm usually on board for all that but but the man, second I, half is when all the killing and shit happens that's no, the part you shouldn't be bored for <laughs> i know and then the killings do start, and then it's that stuff's good, but I wasn't necessarily like excited by 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 the time we got there. I don't know. I, don't know. Um, I think killings, it might be a, a question of expectation because I went in I mean, completely blind and ended up really enjoying it. You went in with high expectations and you're disappointed. Maybe. 
Maybe I just didn't like any of the people, which I think maybe on purpose. Like, I don't think you're supposed to really like most of the people that are there. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did not, uh, did not excite me. Well, I don't know. I thought it was just a fun, I, I also saw it right after I saw another movie. I don't like to compare movies. I don't want to bad mouth the other one, but, and the other movie pissed me off. I I ranted and raved about how it pissed me off and just got everything wrong. And so then just seeing a movie that was similar in tone, but got everything right, I think was the, uh, maybe made it seem better to me than it was. What was the other one? Uh, Well, remember I said I wasn't going to say, no, it was Texas Chainsaw (laughs) Massacre. Oh, okay. But you can see like, it's a throwback, like, yeah, I could see. I could be, easily see how you compare those films. Yeah, and then this movie just did it right, and the other movie did it so wrong, and so that's what I think maybe made me happy at the time. Mm. That and just like sitting in a theater watching a slasher movie, effectively. Mm. Yeah, see, I watched it at home. Maybe I would have enjoyed it more in the theater. Um, uh, also, the old people. There's like two really old people in it. Yeah, and they use old people makeup. Yeah. And I didn't really enjoy the makeup job, so I think maybe that threw me off. Because then there's points where, like, the old lady's trying to, like, take her top off and stuff. Mm-hmm. Part of That's me feels... Upsetting. Yeah, but I feel like part of me is just like, well, they're doing that. It's like, a, look, I'm old. Look how gross I am. And I'm just like, well, is that really, like, is that really a thing we need to do in this movie? I don't know. So, I don't know. It didn't work for me, which is yeah. unfortunate. Hope he makes another horror movie because I definitely give it a chance. Yeah. Like we talked about before, I really enjoyed House of the Devil, uh, yep. which is way more of a slow burn than this movie and doesn't have nearly as as big of a payoff as far as like slashery payoff. Like no, this one does. But completely different. Yeah, like, yeah. It's a completely different thing. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But. Uh, I'd give his next one a chance, I guess. Yeah. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Doug, did you decide what we're doing next week? I did not, but the list is open in front of me. (laughs) Okay. So let's see. Uh, My first choice is the ones that no one wants to do, so we're not doing that. So let's do Henry Lee Lucas week next week. Oof, it's going to be a bummer of a week. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. You guys were in a good mood this week, and I need to put a stop to that. <laughs> so we're going to do uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and Confessions of a Serial Killer from 1986, which is supposed to be the same story. They're both inspired by Henry Lee Lucas. Um, I've never seen Confessions of a Serial Killer, so I have no idea what we're getting ourselves into with that one. I've never seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer either. Oh, really? Always been a little timid about getting into that one. I've seen like bits and pieces and like people talking about the movie and stuff. And I'm always just like, oof, mm-hmm. seems like a rough one to get through. So I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. When you see <laughs> so you're not, you're not incorrect to think that. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. So well, a little Michael Rooker doing some uh, very inappropriate things. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Michael Rooker. So Definitely, definitely want to check it out. So, 
Looks like it'll be time next week. Uh, you, you finally caught up with uh, Moon Knight. Do you want to quickly talk about your feelings of the last episode? Oh, I really liked episode four. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was by far like episode four is what the whole show should have been. Like cool adventures, fighting mummies in the fucking, or I guess spoilers. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> like cool adventures, fighting mummies in pyramids. Followed by like cut to a hospital, like what's real, what's not. And then another's an Egyptian fucking hippo mummy god in the fucking hospital, and we're done. I that's what the whole show should have been. <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm super frustrated that the the whole show wasn't this. Now that I know they're capable of doing this. So now do you understand my frustration from last week? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it totally. <laughs> like I, I think as soon as I watched it, because it was like a rainy day, so I watched it on my lunch break from work, and I'm just like why isn't the show this? I think I texted you something like that effect. Like this should have been episode one. This should have been the setup. I agree. And now, now we only have two episodes left after they've introduced this whole thing. So this whole thing of like what's real and what isn't. Well, that's the other thing is we've spent so much time in this world that it's pretty obvious that we know the fake world is the mental hospital. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if we didn't spend all that time in that, in that world, if we didn't have three full episodes of it, then we wouldn't necessarily know that right away. Correct. So, yeah, it's, it's strange. It feels like they dropped the ball a bit. It did. There's definitely ways you can handle it better. I mean, since you're a Buffy fan, I know, you know, there's an episode, was it season six? We get a question that maybe, the whole show is a bit inside Buffy's head the whole time. Yeah. Mental hospital. And yeah, they still at least pull it off better to make you wonder, like, yeah, could it maybe? Except it's okay. the biggest error in all of Buffy. <laughs> Cause it ends implying that it is all happening in the hospital. Yeah. And like, that's not the correct way to do that. That's just a fuck up <laughs> in the show completely. But correct but i mean still we get that here too because look yeah but we know it's not so why yeah. why are we even doing this now yeah but no i agree though that that buffy episode it does a good job of like tricking you into thinking like holy shit like are they gonna do this like we know both of these worlds are fake because they're on the tv so maybe they're gonna tell us that the world we've been watching is fake and this show could have played with that for the first couple of episodes where we wouldn't have known. Right. Mm-hmm. Was there maybe a problem that, uh, like WandaVision had where people were complaining for the first three episodes. Cause they didn't know what was going on. I hope not. Cause I really liked that about WandaVision. <laughs> like, As did I like, and I hope that they're not kowtowing this quickly to the, the internet critics. Like, Yeah. I do think based on like watching it, I think we maybe what Noah said last week about how they're going to set the girl up to be the moon Knight in the movies might be true. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of things they said, which combined with the meta knowledge that Oscar Isaac isn't signed up for anything beyond this kind of implied it to me. I'm not sure. I, I don't have any inside knowledge or anything, but that's what it felt yeah. like to me. Yeah, unless unless we hear about him signing another contract, I think we all know what's going on. Definitely a possibility. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to the idea of using these shows as 
the origin story for the character that we're going to get in the movies. That's basically what they did with Scarlet Witch, right? Was they took the character we know and they put her through the grinder and brought her out as the character we need for the movies now. And then that's what they're doing with this Moon Knight. If, assuming the female Moon Knight is the one that ends up joining up with Blade and everybody. Which apparently reports are coming out that uh, Scarlet Witch has just as much screen time as Doctor Strange in the next movie. Listen. Which has me really excited. All MCU movies are Avengers movies now. There's no such thing as a solo movie anymore. <laughs> it's just not how it works. You see the Thor trailer? Everybody's in that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Guardians are going to be around too long, but... No, I, I should, I should probably watch off. that trailer at some point. Oh, you should, because it's fucking amazing. Makes me so happy. <laughs> Cannot wait. If anything, just be glad that they're releasing it now and it comes out in July. Because if you had to wait like a full like nine months before the movie came out, you'd be like, God damn it, I want it now. I showed the trailer to my kid and he's like, he's like, I heard there's a new Thor. And I'm like, yeah, you want to see the trailer? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, the new Thor's a girl? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't do this in this house. He goes, is this her name Thor? And I'm like, well, her name's Jane. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like it does sound weird when you say it. Well, I think about it. I mean, technically, in the comic books, her name is Thor. So she take on the name when she. They make the argument in the comic books that Thor is as much of a title as it is a name, and thus, when Matheson was Thor, he was Thor, and. When Thor Odinson is Thor, he is Thor. But whenever he's not, he's just Odinson. That's not accurate. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of dumb. It's dumb spurious logic. They won't be doing that in the movies. I don't know exactly what they'll do to explain it, but they won't do that. Yeah, I know. We'll see. But I'm excited to uh, see the movie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped for that. It looks fun. Looks fun. I just want Beta Ray Bill. Why isn't there Beta Ray Bill yet? Who somebody said, was it Keith David? Somebody said they wanted to play, do the voice of Beta Ray Bill. Uh, sold. <laughs> Keith David should 100% be the voice of Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> I think I saw something that said he'd be down for it or something. I don't know. I think, look, I think if you're an actor and someone's like, hey, would you be in a Marvel movie? What? Get yeah. paid a shit ton of money when they keep asking you to come back for like a billion movies? Uh, yes. Yes, I would. Especially if I'm doing a voice. That means I just go to a booth and yeah. get all my stuff recorded in like a day and a half. Yeah, I'm good. No, it's like it's the whole thing now is like the only way I could see somebody saying no to a Marvel role would be if they're worried it's not a big enough role. <laughs> like, I don't no know. Actor doesn't I want said- to be in the MCU. I suppose you could worry about getting Scarlett Johansson in which you're brought in kind of told you're going to get your big movie and then they don't do your big movie for a decade and then kind of shit the bed on it. Yeah, I'm sure she's crying herself to sleep on her giant pile of money. I still think there's a chance she comes back too. I do too. Cause I don't think her problem wasn't necessarily with like Kevin Feige or anybody. It was no. just, the corporate marketing. I was getting ready to say, I don't know. I don't know if you can sue the mouse in return. I think so. I think there's like people have a tendency to be like, oh, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney as if it's like her, like punching Mickey Mouse in the face. It's like her lawyers went to the court against Disney's lawyers to argue contract shit. 
like it's I don't know. It's not like she sued them. It's not like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> right. It's a different type of court case. I feel like if they both saw there was a chance to make a big pile of money, they would figure out a way to make it happen. Oh yeah, and like if it really, I think it's up to Chris Evans if he's willing to come back and do like some Secret Avengers stuff or something like that. I think then that's how you do it. But he doesn't really need to, unless he just chooses to. I just, I just need a good Hulk movie and a Beta Ray Bill movie. See, and I've heard the reason they haven't done a Hulk movie is because the rights are tied up with Paramount because of the early deals. They yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, it is. Real weird. So and they took like the storyline they wanted to do and broke it up between the other movies. That's why he had such a big part in the last Thor. Yeah, except they skipped important parts of the story. Yeah, I know. It's kind of frustrating that they did that story in the background because I want that whole story. But they're saying now that there's a Disney's kind of gotten big enough where they may be able to pull off doing Hulk movie. I've heard I've read that a couple of places where it's just like, yeah, this has gotten big enough where it's like other companies are just turning over their characters. Like, just send us a check when you're done. Like, we, we we're not going to Sony this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I want a Midnight Suns movie, which if all the rumors are true, I might be getting a Midnight Suns movie. So stoked. I don't yeah. know which characters they'll put in there, but I was going to say Morbius isn't going to be one of them. Is it? I, I, I highly doubt that. So my guess, my try guess not would to be, mix with Sony too much. My guess would be Blade. Uh, Black Knight. Whoever's wearing the Moon Knight stuff at that point. So either this iteration of Moon Knight or another iteration of Moon Knight Ghost Rider and then probably probably Werewolf by Night depending on the success of the Halloween special yeah. and Doctor Strange of course he'll get thrown in there I don't know but we're only like what a week and a half away from Doctor Strange 2 something like yes. that <laughs> yeah, yes yes <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. waited so long. <laughs> I'm excited. Considering it was supposed to be out in what March or April originally, and then it got moved. Well, I mean, that's not even the, the frustrating thing is I waited fucking forever for them to do the first one, and then it was a huge success, and I was like, "Yes, immediate sequel." And they're like, "No." <laughs> it's like we got Avengers stuff we got to do first. They're like, "No, you're at least five years out. Go fuck off." <laughs> And we got to bring together three Spider-Mans first before we even start that shit. Right, right. We have 25 Spider-Man movies to make. Uh, all right. Well, what were we even fucking talking about? Moon Knight? Yeah, we were talking about Moon Knight. Okay. I don't know how the fuck we got here. I don't either. But yeah. Two episodes left. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm, it's, it's interesting that you guys say that's the way that the show should have started since that's how that run of comics starts yeah. which i almost agree with that i wish i wish they would have started the show with you thinking that he's crazy and then maybe slowly reveal that the world is real or maybe slowly make it more muddled to where you're not sure if he's crazy or not instead like you guys said they established that he's not crazy which makes this whole part of the show weird yeah the, yeah this should have been episode one not episode four turns out i don't care that he worked at a museum 
It's like, oh, all of that I didn't really care about at the end of the day. I, I, like, I haven't been grasped by this series in, until now. This is the first episode that I really liked, and it's towards the end. You know? Mm. So, I don't know. We'll see. Getting nervous about all this MCU stuff. Invested a <laughs> lot of time into it, and if they start screwing it up. I'm going to be so mad. Yeah, you know. Stop going to see their movies. I mean, I probably won't do that, but <laughs> I mean, it's kind of we we all have to stop. And as as much as people hate mega corporations and hate Disney and stuff, look at look at what the fuck they did. Oh, dude. Even if so, even if tomorrow they shit the bed, they still did something that just I think no other franchise has managed to do. Oh, nothing's come close to the MCU before. Yeah, no. maybe maybe the James Bond movies, maybe kind of, and that's one fucking character. And I'd argue half of those are fucking bad movies. And I'd argue it's not really one fucking character. <laughs> like it's one character, but he's a different age and different looks, different in all the different movies, <laughs> different nationalities at some point. Yeah, yeah. No, the MCU is he's British or Scottish or from australia he's one of those <laughs> the mcu is the biggest accomplishment in cinematic history the fact that they've gotten this far and it's not a complete shit show like look at how sony or like warner brothers have fucked up theirs it's like they get half of way through the first movie and drop the ball right and it's like it it's fascinating how quickly they are able to screw it up because they don't have that long-term vision. And maybe that's one of the good things about Disney buying Marvel is that there's the money there to have a long-term vision, right? They're like we know we'll still be making these movies in five years so we can plan shit that far ahead. Yeah. It's, got, yeah. it's got to run out of gas at some point though. Just, I just hope I'm well, dead before then. <laughs> I just want to know like if they're going to ha- be smart enough to recognize that like, okay, look, blade is not going to make captain America money. So you spend less money making blade. Right. Like you just you make that movie a cheaper movie and you still make your profits, but you keep your well, cinematic universe alive. Well, but I think the whole thing is I think they've proven that whenever people say this will make less money and then they end up making a half a billion dollars. Right. Like, I mean, I I'll be honest. I was that way whenever they announced Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, nobody fucking gives a shit about that comic book. It's going to fucking flop. And then now it's probably <laughs> the most powerful franchise. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I can't predict what's going to happen next, but. I just hope that if <clears throat> if there is going to be an end point, they know it's going to be coming. Yeah. So rather than just fizzling out, fizzling out, they can be like, OK, we should probably find a way to wrap everything up and at least be satisfactory. Yeah, I don't know how you wrap everything up, but I don't either, and I don't know how you would satisfactorily wrap everything up or even know that stuff is properly coming to an end. But yeah, still my help. I think since they're clearly trying to do this, uh, this sideline of horror themed stuff, if they introduce a good version of Ghost Rider. In Multiverse of Madness, which that's a pretty much been a rumor since day one that that's part of the plan. 
and then use that character to piggyback into the Blade movie. I, I think everybody's on board because people fucking people love those shitty Ghost Rider movies and they suck. <laughs> they are terrible. I tried to watch one once. Didn't work out. Well, they got I'm remembering correctly. They got Sam Elliott to play the original Ghost Rider, right? They did. <clears throat> which is which is on paper. You're like, yeah, totally. But then they got Nick Cage to play the new Ghost Rider, and that that wasn't a good idea. That was a mistake. And, and then well, they did they did not come up with good stories either. Yeah, he's he's proof that just because somebody really, really, really loves and is dedicated to the character, that they're the right pick for the role. Like, don't do that. Weirdly enough, you should watch Drive Angry because it's actually a better Ghost Rider movie than the <laughs> Ghost Rider movies. That's funny. I keep hearing that. I might have to go back to it one day because I, it was during the phase where I was just not watching anything with Nick Cage in it during the National Treasure type phase. But now I think I've moved past that. I think you should because I think it's actually a pretty fun movie. You have to keep in mind it was filmed for 3D, so you have to kind of get over shit flying in your face. Yeah. But I think the movie itself is a lot of fun. Maybe I can find one of the three people that bought a 3D television for their house and see if I can watch it there. <laughs> it's true. Remember when they tried to make that a thing? I know people who swore by it, and now they're stuck with a 3D TV that they don't ever use. Yep. With their HD DVDs. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.